Hey, ebook readers, right now, the Flight Attendant Joe series ebooks are only $2.99. That's Fasten Your Seatbelts and Eat Your Fucking Nuts, Flight Attendant Joe, and I'm Just Here for the Layovers on Amazon, iTunes, Nook, and Kobo, $2.99 each. Hey guys, welcome to this special episode of Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe. It is the fifth Tuesday of the month, and I've invited my husband Matt to come on the show to do a Joe and Matt at home Q&A. You know, the podcast comes out every Tuesday, and I noticed that there's a fifth Tuesday that runs about every three months, so I've invited him to come on the show on those special Tuesdays so we can talk about marriage and how we've been together so long and how we make it work because we're so different. And you're going to quickly pick up on that when you realize he sounds like he graduated from Harvard and I sound like I graduated from Chuck E. Cheese University. <laughs> no offense to anyone who went to Chuck E. Cheese. Is that a thing? Probably. Who knows? Probably. But I hope you enjoyed it. It's a Q&A. People wrote in questions and we answered them to our best ability. Welcome my husband, Matt. I'm very excited because I happen to have my first in-studio guest with me today, and it is my husband, the very handsome Matthew. Matt, welcome to the show. Hi, welcome. I'm, <laughs> I'm doing what you do, which you is welcome to, someone when I'm the guest. <laughs> you are the guest. I do the welcoming. You just answer the question. Don't be sorry. You just answer the questions and be adorable because that's what you do. So I wanted to have you. I'm, I'm very privileged to be your first live studio guest. I know. And we t discussed if we should do this with clothes on, with clothes yeah. off. And we do have our clothes on, yes, ladies and our gentlemen. Our clothes are on. Our clothes run. I don't know if all of my guests have had their clothes on when they called in, but we do have our clothes on. But I want to thank him for coming on the show because I've always wanted him to come on to chat with me, to answer some questions. And then I didn't know where to, to stick him in on the schedule. And then I noticed that there was five Tuesdays in the month of March. So I thought, this is perfect. I'm going to slide him right in to March 31st. <laughs> and I thought it would be perfect. Well, I don't think you're going to get any other live guests in a quarantine right now. So <laughs> I'm funny. convenient in that sense. Yes, or... I could just drag you out from the other room. Yes. <laughs> you look nervous. Uh, a little bit. Oh, you're so adorable. I'm not used to uh, having an audience. I know. I know. Well, you, you're, you're a good balcony person. I outsource that to you. Yes. Well, that is... I love a good audience and I love to talk to people, but you love to talk to people too. Yeah, yeah. That's why you're on the show. Yes. Yeah, sure. Perfect. Um, well, what I wanted to do was, what I did was I went out on social media and I asked a bunch of people to ask us questions, whether it was a question for you, it was a question for me or both of us. So I have that, but I have a question for you first that I wanted to talk about and it's, how do you feel about satirical websites, like pages, like The Onion? Um, there's a bunch of online social media um, pages that create fake news articles that look so real that some people can't tell the difference. And I was just curious of what you thought about that. Oh, I love The Onion and I love satire. And I think we need to be able to have a sense of humor. Um, I th it, but the thing is, the onion or like clickhole, which is part of the onion, they're so ridiculous that if you have a half a brain, you know it's not real. That's the point. So I don't think they're that dangerous. I mean, it's not like Breitbart News where it tries to look like a real news website or something. But um, yeah, I think satire is good. I think it's healthy. Well, you know, I love satire. It's my favorite thing in the world. But I just saw today someone shared on social media from an, a website or an Instagram page, and I can't remember the name. It was like B or something like that, some, some weird page. And when you click on it, it has all these like memes that look like articles. And the one that somebody shared was about, I can never say her name, Alexandria. Oh. Ocasio Cortez. Yes. And it said something like, if you don't want to get infected with this virus, you're racist. If you don't want to yeah, get like, infected? Like, like it was her, a picture of her, and it said, if you don't want to get infected by coronavirus, then you're racist. Oh, is, is this with those ads where <laughs> right next to it, it says, this is a sign you're going to die tomorrow of cancer? And it's like, 
you have a sore thumb and it's like, oh no. And then it gets you to click on it. No, no, it's just a page on Instagram. But when I saw it and I wish I, I wish I knew what it was. Um, but when I saw it, I started reading the comments because I'm a, I'm a comment reader. I want to see, cause the person who shared it, I don't know if he was sharing it to be funny or if he was sharing it because he thought it was real. So I was like, let me go on and see. And it, I was amazed because it says right there, fake, uh, making fake news as funny as possible. Satire. Oh, I've actually been following more of those websites because the Instagram does have these web pages. I've always watched the onion, but uh-huh. then there's another one called not the onion where it is headlines that are real and they'll link to them. Uh, but they are so ridiculous sounding that you would think the onion had written them, but it's called not the onion. So it's real, it's real, but it's in a context where we can laugh at it. Um, and right. then there's another one called like fake news network. There's a few out there. So I, I don't wish know. I've you been knew doing the name of this one. I wish you knew the name of this one. It's know. like be something. Um, I don't know, but, I don't know. and I, I don't, I should have looked it up before we started recording, but I, so I went on and I was reading the, I was reading the, um, the comments and I was so shocked that people who follow this page, who know it's a fake news article were commenting like it was a real article. So my, my question to you was, are we getting to a place where people are so dumb that they can't, they don't, it's too dangerous for you to put out fake news articles because some uneducated people can't tell the difference between a, a real article or a fake article. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. yeah, that's my argument. Like, yeah, I love satire. I love these pages. I think they're a lot of fun. But are we moving to a place where people are so uneducated and not smart enough to say, oh, yeah, that's not fake. Even when they're following the page, that's a fake page. That's a good point is no more now more than ever. You know, The Onion started in like the early 90s or something or late 80s. I don't know. It was a long time ago, but it was an actual printed newspaper that you could get in, you know, hip city neighborhoods. And it, but you know, before everyone was getting all their news sources on the internet, if you were picking up The Onion from a newsstand, you know what you were getting. Mm-hmm. But nowadays uh, with social media, uh, every news source can seem equally legitimate at first glance. So that is a legitimate concern. You know, if you don't know the onion um, at a glance, you know, it's sitting right next to some other, you know, Fox news post or something, or, you know, uh, it looks legitimate. Um, But it's like those ads. I I told you there's, have you seen these ads? If you go on um, reputable news websites, even like the Atlantic, I know for a fact does this, you get to the bottom of reading your magazine article, right? And you know, there's ads throughout it. At the bottom, there'll be this section with these big square pictures, and it'll say "read more" or uh, "around the internet," mm. and it all these like provocative things that you would see on tabloids, like "what did this celebrity do?" or "here's a sign you your heart's gonna explode in ten minutes," <laughs> or you know, because you have a dot on your forehead, or like I right, don't know, like right. um, or, so. Uh, oh, I know what you're talking you about. Like when I mean? you scroll it's down, clickbait. it's all these like. But it looks it, like news, and you started seeing it from an actual news website. Right. But they were just selling ad space, and I think that's really irresponsible. Um, but that's what happens when you present these things side by side, and people can't figure out what layers of things they're seeing. You know, the Atlantic didn't pick those things; they just sold a big block of ad space to Google or somebody who sold it to somebody. Um, so I think that's a, a concern. We, we, people don't have, aren't taught in school even, like maybe it's something we need to do with education to discern um, deception mm, in yeah. communication. Yeah, I think we need to be more critical in communication. But, but I, I, you know, I guess it's, I read an article and I, if it sounds so absurd, I have to dig more. I don't just believe every single thing I read, but so many people read that and they just go with it. And I was just so shocked that it was, they, they claim to be a fake news page, right? And they are, they are satirical comedy, but people following it are commenting like it's a real article. Yeah. I wish I had that information on the website, but I don't. So I'm going to have to let it go because it's going to absolutely drive me crazy for the rest of this interview. But what do you think we can do to get people to 
read these articles and not take them seriously. Well, when we were just pausing for a minute, I was looking online. There's this uh, satire page I just found the other day called Fake News Network. Okay. And it looks like CNN logo. It's FNN. Anyways, FNN. And uh, the headlines are just so ridiculous. You can't take them seriously. It said, one of them was said, uh, Biden decides to grow giant mustache so he can smell hair all day long. <laughs> I, mean, I don't even How can that. you think that's a real headline? So right. there's that kind of satire that you can't take seriously, and it's great, and I right. love that. Um, I don't know. Um, I, I think buyer beware. I think we need to be better at teaching people the critical thinking skills, which America does very poorly, actually, unfortunately, on a large scale. Just getting people to, right, think critically and to think logically. Right. Yeah, logic, I agree. Understanding I agree. logic and our arguments are formed and, you know, also things like probability and statistics and weighing the various causes to be, you know, things that drive fear and how emotion shapes people. Right. That's true. That's true. Well, um, like I said, I went online. That was my question for you because that happened today. And I was like, oh, let me ask... Let me ask Matt how he feels about that. But I did get some questions from some followers on social media. And let's just let everyone know first, you and I tell stories completely differently. Oh, yes, definitely. You yes. could tell a story in like five set, five words, probably. I would take five pages. Um, we have this thing where when he comes home from work, I say, how was your day? And he's like, oh, it was fine. What did you have for lunch? Oh, I had lunch. And then I'm like, well, let me tell you what happened to me today. And, and by the end of the conversation, you're usually like, you were home with the cats. How did that much happen? But a lot happens to me. I'm going to die. A lot happens to me. Yeah, I know. Me. I know. There's always a big story and you just haven't left the house. There's a big story to tell. <laughs> a lot happens when I go to the store. Yeah. I'm like five minutes away. Yeah. So this this question was asked to me by someone on Instagram, but I didn't. Re I don't remember their name. I'm not doing very well with trying to figure out my Instagram business today. But um, somebody asked me, how did you guys meet? So ladies and gentlemen, I haven't told him any of these questions. So his answers are going to be just as interesting to me as they are to you. So how did we meet? Uh, we met uh, online. Uh, it was August in 2004 after one of the hurricanes came through Florida. And uh, so I was home a lot and we, uh, you know, we were chatting. We, start, we became, started to chat online and uh, we came over one night and then... Um, we arranged to see each other again. What did I come over nice, for? Uh, <laughs> you know, we, we, we're just going to see where it goes, you know, when you yeah. come over. Yeah. And uh, it, it went well, and we, got, we came to get together again, and we went to dinner, and uh, we started dating. And you moved in quickly because you were in a temporary home situation. You are between uh, homes, between uh, cities. And so you were kind of mobile, so you moved. It was convenient for you to move in, and uh, I don't know. We've just been been together, together ever since, since. and uh, yeah, yeah. We've just become a part of each other in a weird way. And uh, in a weird way, what do you mean by in a weird way? <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. What What do you mean? Like, what What do you mean in a weird way? Well, it's a th strange thing to say, isn't it? To become part of one another. Uh, Any way of that to be kind of yeah. uh, unusual. We've just we we've just been together since that moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's a good way to say it. You know, I I'll tell my I'll share my side. I'll share my yeah, side. Okay. One of the reasons I got lady, listen. One of the reasons he hooked me. He hooked me line and sinker. I was at a friend's house babysitting. Um, they're like four or five year olds. Maybe she was eight. I don't remember. And we were chatting online. You know, people still to this day meet online. So it's not anything 16 years ago. People were still meeting on the internet, right? It wasn't an app, but it was the internet. And, you know, it was in the era where we were just starting to send dick pics to one another. People were sending their dick pics out. <laughs> you should see his face. He's so uncomfortable. If you'll figure out that I love to make my husband as uncomfortable as my guests. So... And I remember asking you, can you send me a dick picture? And you said, well, you just wait till you get here. You won't be disappointed. Now, when I did say that. you did say that. And so I was literally like contemplating, do I leave this? I thought eight that was a good line. It was a great line. That's a great line. 
But I was like, do I consider leaving this eight-year-old home alone? Should I just give her some NyQuil and leave a note? Like I had to go meet my future husband because he sounds sexy over the internet. Do you know that we saved those conversations from like 16 years ago? I have them somewhere on one of those little disk drives. I saved them. Oh, you have them. Oh, that's so romantic. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. We I went over to his house for whatever he said, just to meet and hang out, right? And then I left my watch there. I was I was a nurse at the time, and I spent the night, and I woke up the next day, and I was leaving to go to, I was working a 3 to 11 shift, and I forgot my watch at your house. So I was like, oh, my God, I've got to call this person. Like, how embarrassing. So I called him up, and I was like, hi. I left my watch on the bedside table from when we were watching TV. And, <laughs> and well, we, we met for sex. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. How does that's that That's what feel? you want to say. Yeah. Well, no. But, I like, well, I don't go right to that. I like to just well, people de- aren't dumb around it. People aren't dumb. I know, but it's fun to just tease people well, with it. You've, you've done work. You've brought it out. In front in a work environment before. Well, I like I don't know the have people secrets. you just met. Yes. Well, that was so, your boss. I I would never do that again. That <laughs> so if you could do that, right? So yes. Well, yeah. I could do. I can sell. I can tell it to thousands of people. So he was like, "Oh yeah, yeah. Your watch is here." And I said, "Oh good. I have a shift tonight." And you said, "Oh, that's terrible because I was going to invite you to my favorite Thai restaurant." Well, I called in sick. We went to Thai. And we've been together ever yep. since. That's true. Yeah, it's a good story. That's very romantic, it, yeah. I think. Yeah. Well, besides the meeting for sex thing. I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, people. You've got to meet somehow. You've got to meet sometime. <laughs> I mean, I think if you're uh, probably, if you're gay, there's probably a 60% chance. That <laughs> I know that's women. That's how a lot of people start meeting. I know women who have sex on the first date. Probably. Oh, of course. Yeah, absolutely. It's not just gay guys. It's a lots of people have sex on the first date. So so I'm sorry I forgot who um, on Instagram sent me that question, but that was a really good question. Thank you. Okay, this one is from Jen. Jen asks, what does flight attendant Joe smell like? I'm genuinely curious. <laughs> I told her I'll ask him and I can't wait to hear what he says. Um, well, you smell very clean. <laughs> so that's a good thing. Thank I don't you. know. My, my nose isn't as sensitive as yours. You pick on such fine notes of, of scent that I'm not as conscious of scent unless it's really strong. Yeah. Um, and so, geez, I don't know how to describe your smell. But you are always very clean. Even before you get a chance to have that kind of, like, masculine, sweaty musk, you, you've, right. you've cleaned yourself before you let I that happen. I don't like that. Um, I so don't, you're always I don't quite like clean, that. and you, you smell freshly clean. I don't like that. You know, there's some people that love, like, that manny, musky. I think it comes from, like, your balls area or something for men. Mm. I'm not a fan. I don't like it. I, I, it's not my favorite thing. I'd rather smell lavender in the sea than uh, than yeah. smelling that you went to the gym and worked out for an hour and a half. So flight and attendant now... Joe usually smells like thirty percent lavender. Yes, I love. Yeah. It. We actually have a lavender candle burning in the room oh, yeah, right now. There yeah, is. <laughs> I, I love seven dollar bars of soap that last about three days. And just make me feel lavender. Really, I love the smell of lavender. I can usually buy you a lavender bar. If I say a lavender bar of soap when I'm somewhere like traveling, if oh, I yeah. bring that to you, you're usually happy. With I'm that, so right? happy. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love it. So I smell like lavender. Yeah, and not musk. Sorry, Jen. I know you wanted me to smell like man musk, but I probably smell just like you. I've got. Ga- we're having some drinks. He has a beer. I have a. Um, well, you're drinking a carbonated. I have a carbonated beverage. hard sel- yeah. seltzer, and it's making me burp a lot. Okay, so that was Jen's question. Um, oh, Bonnie wants to know: Have you ever considered having kids? Yes. Yeah. We we of course talked about it. It, it has come up over the years every so often. Um. We, yeah, we just enjoy i i think we just enjoy the freedom 
of not having that, that allows us to travel more. Um, it allows us to move more. It allows us to, uh, you know, save save money and build a nest egg. Um, so there's some good reason. There's some reasons. Um, yeah, I don't know. We we also don't, I think, individually feel a strong enough urge to do it that overwhelms those conveniences. Right. Um, well, I think you wanted when we really talk seriously about children, because there was a period we've been together 16 years, yeah. there was a serious period where you were like, I would really like to consider adopting a child so that we can imprint our values on that person to let them go out into the world and be better humans. Yeah. Um, but, but that I, seems kind of vain, doesn't it? And selfish. It's like, I need a mini me out there. It's like, Sounds cool, but isn't that, that's what people want to do. They want to influence the next generation a lot, I guess. Well, some people have kids for the tax credit, so. But you don't have to have your own children to do that either. Right. You know, um, if that's your goal. Uh, so it, it's, it almost seems a little vain. That I've been very interested, though, I still am, in the subject of talking to straight couples uh, because it's kind of a default that you will have children mm -hmm. uh, when you're heterosexual. So if you're homosexual, it's very much an option. So if you have a child, it's not by accident. You've, you've chosen to deliberately. And I'm very interested in straight couples who deliberately choose not to have children because they've also taken that deliberate option. It comes out with, uh, you know, it's the different result than if gay people choose to have children. Mm. Um, but either way, it's a big decision. Right. You can't take it back, you know. Um, and so, yes, we... You and I did discuss it more, maybe I'd say 10 years ago or five to 10 years ago. It was more seriously discussed, but it's kind of tapered off and become less right. serious. Um, but yeah, we, we would be foolish not to think about it, right? I, want, I wanted to talk about it just to say, are we sure we don't want to do it? Right, And right. I would bring it up in that context because a lot of times that's how I like to think about big decisions. Right. I, um, well, and I was always... I remember, I think we agreed on a percentage. Like if we're both not a hundred percent agreeing yeah. to this, cause you can't be just like, like you, you just said, you yeah. can't have heterosexual people sometimes half-ass it. Cause oops, it's an accident. But when you're a gay guy, when you're two gay guys or even it's lesbian couples, accident, yeah. you know, it can't be an accident. You really have to consider it. And I was just never even over maybe like 65%. And I think a lot of that for me was I was afraid that I was gonna be a bad parent because I never had good parents. I didn't have any role models on how to be a good parent. So I always had this fear of, oh my God, what if I turn out like my, I'm not gonna say my father because that's way far over, but what if I end up turning out to be my, like my mother and I have anger issues and I take it out on my child and I'm just, I was always so worried about, um, just continuing that bad behavior down the line. And somebody told me recently, they said, well, you, ha you didn't really have any good guidelines. Maybe I learned, maybe I figured, maybe this was on the Rasha episode that I had where we were talking about this and I, and I came to the conclusion of, well, I didn't really have any good guidelines for marriage and I've been married for 16 years. Yeah. So maybe I could have been a good parent. I mean, yeah, people do, the, some, you have to start somewhere. Right. Everybody becomes a good human, apparently. I don't know. But if there's, you get... there's people who have good parents and become not good parents. Yeah, and, that's true. I mean, I had good parents, and I know an example of, you know, how to be good parents, and I admire that. And um, I just didn't have that as strong of an emotional requirement within myself. Mm -hmm. um, and... Uh, oh, I forget what else I was going to say. Well, um, it's just... I think it's okay. Like you said, it's okay to not have kids. It's perfectly fine. Every, lots of people are having more kids than they should. So we didn't have to have kids. I don't feel bad about it. Um, I remember way back on episode one or one time when I was on um, Gang of Two with Terry and Sherry, I said, do you ever regret not having kids? And they're like, no. And they're a straight married couple. They've been married almost 30 years yeah. and they chose not to have kids. And it's interesting how many people have been meeting that. Uh, like that, you know, that are them that are like Sherry and Terry, but, and, you know, they're a little older than us. Um, and so, you know, they're st they still have that issue. So I've been meeting people of couples of all ages and ranges who are like that. And I'm always interested by that concept, you know, um, younger couples and more mature couples who just decide not to have kids. Um, 
Yeah, another thing I don't I don't want to I something that did deter me also is I didn't want to have kids because I had such a specific expectation of how it would turn out because you can never have an expectation of how your kids will be because mm -hmm. um, you never know what will happen. Right. You could think, oh, if, if I'm smart, my kid's smart, or if I'm good at this, my kid will get at that, or, you know. Um, but uh, you can't have too many expectations of how, and, you know, they'll be a good kid or whatever, but, you know, there's a lot of incidents of um, – you know, mental illness or all kinds of things that can happen, psychological damage. We talk specifically, um, it's a little different too when you think about having your own child genetically because you think about your family's genetic characteristics being passed on. But what we talked about was more adoption. Yes. We never talked about like a genetic child or anything like that. Um, but even with that, there's a lot, it's it's kind of scary. It is, I'll, be, I'll admit, I'm not as, as brave as some of these people to you know adopt older children with a lot of... Uh, uh, psychological and abuse issues and things and have had difficult histories. Um, that's a very tough thing to do and it's kind of daunting. Um, but, you know, kudos to them. And but. I think it's okay to be selfish. Oh, well, do you consider it being selfish not to have children? Do you think that's a, a selfish act to not no. have children? No. no. I don't either. I, I, I and don't In so. many cases, I, I think having children is a selfish act. Interesting. Because it's very vain. If you do it for vanity or to put on, like, I think I should do it or I'm doing it because uh, my family wants me to or because I'm expected to for some other reason or because I think it'll fill the void within me that makes me sad or there's all these bad reasons to have children yeah. that are selfish because you're bringing another life into another problem that doesn't deserve that. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's a selfish thing to do. And a lot of times it's their ego. You know, I want a child that looks like me and, that's right. what bothers me a little bit about gay couples who have children and they go to all this expense and trouble to have a genetic child of one or both of them and paying surrogates and all this money goes into it and it's really wealthy gays do this. Okay. And they get a genetic child and it's why? Because you want your own image. It seems like a selfish, vain kind of thing. When there's bit. so many kids. There's so many kids yeah. who need to be adopted, who need to be right. loved, who need a home. If you love a kid, if, if you want a child and you're going to love them, you just adopt a child. You just adopt seems, a child. Yeah. 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 I understand that. I, um, I struggle with that. Is it, is it, is it selfish to have kids? Is it selfish not to have kids? And then also this idea that, People get married or if they're not married and they're like, I have to have a kid. I have to have, it's like, no, you don't, you know, yeah. it's okay if you don't like why, why, what in your brain is saying I must have a child. I think it takes a lot of individual strength to overcome cultural norms. And a lot of people don't do that. And I'm, I think I'm kind of a contrarian, you know, I, rejected religion at a pretty young age that I was raised with. And, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not afraid to be gay and, and be myself. And so all these things, expectations of myself, I'm not afraid to defy. Um, some people don't have that kind of strength uh, to stand for themselves and be different. Um, so I think that can be part of it. Um, and, and like families you know i've heard of stories where families are like when are you guys having a baby when are you having, and what if you're just what if you you and your husband don't want to have a baby but your whole family is like when are you gonna have a baby when are you gonna make me a grandparent When's mind your own happen? business you know everyone's everyone's vision of happiness for themselves can be different and that's right. okay and other people need to respect that and your family needs to respect that so um that's what i think i think that kind of pressure is bullshit so you don't have to have kids if you don't want. Don't let anyone pressure you. No. Yeah. And if you have seven kids, stop having kids because you worse, don't need seven kids. Nothing's worse <laughs> than a person brought into the world, you know, where they're not wanted or for the wrong reasons. For the wrong reasons. That's a terrible thing to do to them and you and unfair to everyone. Well, I wasn't wanted and my mom could have easily not had me, but she did. So thank goodness for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I understand what you're saying and don't be, pr there's a lot of people that... I know people who have this pressure of, oh my God, I have to have a baby. No, no, you don't. Yeah. You can enjoy your life without having a baby. You know, I used to have um, my one of my exes, Ken, he used to say, I have to really take care of my nieces and nephews because I don't plan on having kids and they're the ones who are going to look after me. 
And mm. I always thought, well, that's interesting. And I j actually just talked to him and I checked in on him and his boyfriend to see how they were doing. I know mm -hmm. everyone's shocked that I talked to my ex-boyfriends, but, and he told me him and his new boyfriend are actually moving to another town to be closer to his family. Oh yeah. Okay. So, um, so I always think of that. There's other options. Like his fear was, well, I'm not going to have kids, but I want someone to take care of me at, at a point when I can't take care of myself if I'm single. That's no guarantee though, that your kids That's will true. be able to take care of you. That's where, uh, yeah, that, I, I was, wasn't really persuaded by that argument. Uh, my mom, uh, who will probably listen to this. Uh, hi, Ma. <laughs> hi, Mom. Um, she worked for several years in an estate planning attorney's office where, you know, people die and you have to have the will, you know, taken care of. It. So she would meet people near the uh, end of their life a lot of times. And uh, a lot of times they were alone and didn't have anyone around them. And it wasn't because they didn't have children. You know, they'd had, they'd had children. Oh, and yeah. And families had become estranged. And uh, it's very sad. But uh, these people were still alone. So having children is no guarantee of that. And, um, you know, people, human drama comes into play or just unfortunate. You know, sometimes children, you know, uh, parents outlive their children. Um, you never know what will happen, but that's a silly reason, I think, to, as on it on itself, mm -hmm. to have children, mm. to bring a child into the world. That alone isn't enough. Well, nothing is guaranteed, and that's the yeah. thing. You could have five kids and think I'm going to be taken care of, but be an awful person, and then your kids aren't in your life anyway, right. so you're fucked. Right. Yeah, I think that's the first time I said fuck in this episode. Wow, I'm so good when you're in the studio. I should pull you in here more often. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, let's go to another question. And by at any means, if you have a question for me, this is a conversation. See the rules here? You can actually ask me any questions oh, okay. you want to, okay? So um, here's a question from Jim. He says, tell us your worst experience dating before you met Joe. That's a good question. Ugh, worst experience dating. Um, you have to dig deep for that because we've been together for hours. I haven't even... Ex yeah, excavated those memories in a long time, actually. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Worst experience. I think I was stood up once. That sucked. Remember was... you went on a date with my coworker, Robert? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. I remember that. that. Was before but that he... was before you worked at the company. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, have, I have a story you probably won't want me to share. I actually have a story oh, of about you your life. Oh, okay. oh about you know, me. About you. Uh, Was okay. it the jackhammer? I hope not. <laughs> Do you remember the jackhammer? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. That guy you met, you called him the jackhammer. <laughs> oh, I've been waiting for this day forever. You remember that. That's probably your worst dating experience, right? That's why you met me and you were like, I'm just going to hang out with this one. I don't know. I don't think that was the worst. Oh, okay. No. Really? Everyone has a bad dating experience. I mean, something had to make you latch on to I, me for Honestly, I didn't have a long dating history. Yeah, that's true. Um, so the range of experiences was not that bad. It was mostly like I got stood up once and... Uh, like he came, but he canceled or something. I don't know. He probably didn't like him or something. Um, and then there was another guy who I went on two dates with, but he didn't wasn't interested in. Yeah, so it's very bland. It's just like someone was, we weren't interested in each other. Okay. Um, but I, I'm trying to think. But you know, I, I wish you had gone oh, elaborated a bit uh, how we tell stories differently because this is a perfect example. I'm scanning through my library of experiences. And I can't think of one thing that I can elaborate on and, and make it like interesting because my dates, I guess, sound boring even to myself. But <laughs> you, no matter what happens, I know you've got all these stories of bad dates. And oh my God, so I many! I could about me. The whole episode because you you're probably remembering something I'm not even getting. Oh, do you not remember the jackhammer story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. well, the whole there's there's, a, there's not. Well, that's the only thing I remember story. about I don't it. Think it's a story. Well, I remember but, you telling me about it. <laughs> um but have you ever dated a girl have you ever gone on a date with a girl 
Never. Never. How old were you when you came out? Nineteen. That's when you you came out officially, or did anyone know before yeah, that? Nineteen. Nineteen. Really? Yeah. But when did you know that you liked guys? When was the earliest you were like, I don't uh, like chicks? Eighteen and a half. Really? Well, no. Oh, I if don't I'm know well, if that's no, no, no. True. Oh, no, 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 There's no, no. There's no lying no, no. on grounded with flight attendant show. Okay. <laughs> no, um, like to be, if I'm being honest with myself, um, I probably thought that way since uh, what was I a freshman in high school? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now, what were you thinking before that? Was there ever? Like, would you see girls and say, oh, I don't like that. Maybe I just don't like anything or. No, I just kind of forced an expectation of what you're supposed to think is an attractive person. But I didn't have like a deep emotional feeling. Okay. But also you're not developing those. I don't think your brain's getting wired to your genitals as quickly at that age. Like to have that level of sexual and, you know, emotional excitement when you see something that aligns with your sexual orientation. Um, I don't think I was that mature yet until I was in uh, a junior and a freshman in high school. Mm-hmm. And then um, high school is a very emotionally and sexually charged environment. Um, yeah. I, I, um, I, probably the same age. Um, I came out when I was a junior in high school. So I was 16 years old. I wrote a little note to this Puerto Rican guy I was in love with, gave it to him, and then he told everyone. But that's another story. But... Before that, I could never say the word gay. Mm. So I, when I lived in Connecticut and I was growing up and I was like in the seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth grade, I knew something was off. Mm-hmm. I knew something was different. Like I knew it was important to have a girlfriend. So I, I, the only girlfriend I ever had was over um, school break from the eighth, from the seventh grade to the eighth grade. Her name was Kim, and all we did was talk on the phone the whole summer. Right. And then when we went back to school, we acted like we hated each other. And I was like, Phew, well, at least I could check off the box. I've had a girlfriend. Yeah. If somebody says, who did, oh, I dated Kim over the summer. That was like the seventh grade form of dating. Right, yeah. right. Um, but I did, I did that for like a week with some girl. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I'll go it beat that silly. bitch's ass. Where is she? No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I used to, what I would do was, because I couldn't admit that I was gay, or I, I couldn't, I guess, not that I couldn't admit it, but I couldn't find the words to express it. I imagined that I lived in a soap opera. Mm-hmm. So if I found a boy that I found attractive, um, I would think, oh, I'm in a soap opera. And then this soap opera, I'm a girl and girls are attracted to guys. Mm-hmm. And that's normal. It was almost like having a split personality yeah. where I would talk myself into saying, well, Joe... He doesn't like the guy, but yeah. this character I've created, who's on another world, which was the soap opera yeah. at the time, um, likes guys, and then that, so it's okay, so I can think about it. That's an interesting adaptive feature yeah. to help you not have to confront that right. at, at an early age. Mine was in particular, and I actually remember going back to like the third grade. If I'd see a boy who I thought was attractive, I'd say, "Oh, I like looking at him." Because I want to be like him. Mm. I want to be him or something. I want to look like him. Right. So for a while, that was my earliest way of, that was my loophole from not saying I was gay or knowing what gay was or anything. Um, yeah. So that was my a lie I told myself for a long time. Well, that makes sense. And, and that happens a lot in the heterosexual world with guys too. I think, you know, it's like the bromance, like, oh, this is my bro. I love him. I, I want to be mm. just like him. And sometimes I'm like, I wonder if you want to be with him. Because there's such a fine no, line with that. I mean, I think sexuality is a spectrum. So, you know, if, if him and I could be on equal sides of the opposite spectrum, uh, opposite sides of the same distance from the center, you know, um, if the center is perfectly bisexual. I wish I, I have this dream that I w- I think everyone should be bisexual. I think bisexuality should be the way of the world. And you're just attracted to the individual and it doesn't matter if they're a boy or a girl or whatnot, you're connected to that person. And I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but I've always had these visions of wouldn't life be just great if you could just be bisexual and then you connected with a, if you were a girl and you connected with another girl, you're like, Oh, it's my girlfriend now. I don't care. What's stopping us from declaring that now? Well, I think the stigma. Well, there's a, I think, I think sexuality is a spectrum, right? Everyone's a percentage, you know, one, who knows? 
but why not? You know, and uh, just like some people are attracted to people with brown hair, people with blonde hair, some people like people with a penis, and some people like it without the penis. Without the penis, and uh, <laughs> you know, so the. the we could attach larger gender norms to that or not. Um, so, yeah, why not? Why can't we all just pick what we want to pick? I love the fact that people are hearing how differently you talk than I do. Because <laughs> oh. I'd be like, well, is it a dick or not? You're like, penis, no penis. Well, the vagina. The if you vagina. Like, if you, whether, however you liked your, your, your partner equipped. Yeah, um, whatever you, you like. that equipment. I yes. mean, put a strap on if you must. Whatever, whatever you like. Yeah. Do, you, do you regret... Not ever having sex with a girl, a woman. Mm. That's my question. I just mm. came up with that. Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. I think it'd be an experience worth having. Yeah. yeah. Would you want to flip her over, or would you just want to try the the natural stuff? I don't know. This seems very personal. <laughs> <laughs> this is... <laughs> but this is what my audience they are sitting on the edge no, of their seat no no they are they're <laughs> sitting sure on not. the edge of their seat no trust me and they're like what's he gonna say <laughs> um but i if i'm gonna have sex listen if i'm gonna have sex with a girl i don't think i regret not having sex with a girl you know um i almost did once but it didn't happen um, but I think if you're if you're a gay guy and you have the opportunity to have sex with a girl, you've got to do the vag sex because you can do the other sex any other time you want. Well, that's well, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You don't go to Disney and not ride Space Mountain. I'm done with you. <laughs> <laughs> you got to do the thing. Well, you it's do right for. now because it's gotta, closed. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> that was funny. I like that. But um, why? Yeah, why not? Um, so. You were going to say about having sex with a woman. Oh, my. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't know what I'm going to say. No, that happens to me, too. Um, but you do regret it. I keep burping. God, it's terrible. You do regret not having it. Um, but, but if you want to, we can figure it out. I mean, I'm sure I know somebody. <laughs> I'll just watch because that sounds like a lot of work. Oh, no, I know what I was going to say. Oh, tell um, me, tell me. This is an interesting topic. Um, I do think people who are either somewhere, you know, they've decided that they're gay or bisexual or they're more open with their own sexuality. Once you're, you know, decide you're gay or bisexual, um, you're not so afraid even of the conventional orientation. So I think uh, there's a lot of lesbian women who, you know, have had experiences with men and there's, you know, gay men uh, uh, are more open to having experiences with straight with women. Versus heterosexual people can be a little more nervous, especially guys, with like ex thinking about experimenting with men because they're not gay. Right. It seems oh. like a bigger barrier to cross for a straight guy to say, oh, I'm, you know, I'm not gay, but I'm going to experiment one time. Um, that seems like a harder thing probably for the average straight guy versus for an average gay guy to say, oh, would you try uh, with a woman one time? Um, it seems like, you know, they'd be more open to it than vice versa. Interesting. Don't you agree? I think I do agree. Um, that could fall under that umbrella of, you know, heterosexual guys think two lesbians are hot, but the idea of two men together just makes them want to throw themselves in acid. Yeah. I you guess. know, but, you know, and maybe it's because gay people, us, have been around heterosexuality. It's been so prominent in our lives that it's more easier to say, well, you know, if everyone else has done it, right, I guess right. it can't be that bad. But for a heterosexual, like, like I know straight guys who are like, oh my God, I would rather, I'd rather die. And I'm like, you'd rather die than have like a guy blow well, you. And that's you know what crazy. that is? That's a, that's a fear of something that you don't know and you haven't seen a lot of contact with or right. people like that. And there's, that's fear and ignorance. And, um, we don't have that fear and ignorance about heterosexuality because, like you said, we've seen it enough. Um, well, I think it's fear that they would do it and like it, and then what happens to that? That could be. Yeah. You know, oh my God, am I gay now? No, you're just bisexual, people, like everyone. Some should people be. Are, are afraid to open themselves to new ideas about a lot of things, mm -hmm. and I'm not saying that sexual orientation is an idea you can persuade somebody. It's certainly not. Um, but uh, you know, anything that challenges your expectations of yourself or what your community expects of yourself or what your image of yourself is. Mm -hmm. uh, people are afraid to open themselves to the question it even and ask the question. 
uh, is there a better way? What's this other thing like? Or um, all that. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. It, yeah. it, it, there's a quality of openness in psychology somewhere. There's the idea of openness. Um, and I think there are people who are open to new ideas. I think you're one of them. Yeah. Um, but again, let's not just say that something like a series of sexual orientation is an idea and can you persuade somebody it's not. But, um, yeah. Well, no, we were just answering the question. Well, actually, that wasn't even the question. The question was about your your worst experience dating. But this is what I love about podcasting. You never know where the conversation's going to go. All right, let's go to the next question. Um, no, this- you asked a question about a woman. Uh, yeah, but the original question was, tell us your worst oh. experience. And then I continued going oh, I with the conversation. Okay. No, that was a that was a flight attendant Joe question. All right. Renee asks, this is Renee who edited my book. Oh, hi, Renee. Hi, Renee. We love you. She lets her two-year-old listen to this podcast. But I told her, so hi, Miles. But I told her not to listen to certain ones. I always send her a message that I don't listen to this one. You should okay. have a bleeped version for children. Well, I don't know if that many two-year-olds listen. It would be a lot of bleeping. Well, there'd be like five words in the whole episode. You could have that, uh, bur- you know, that uh, dog whistle sound that only children can hear. I've only said whistling. fuck three times now. Four. All right. So Renee asks, when Joe comes up with a new idea, do you go along with it? Do you ever tell him something isn't a good idea, or do you want to tell him that but you just bite your tongue? Oh, I think I'm usually honest about if you have an idea. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you if it seems like it's really not going to work. I remember the the only time that I think you've ever told me no or not no, but really talked to me down off something was back in like 2004. I wanted to start a concierge service. Do oh, you yeah. remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had, I had, I was, you were going along. This was probably one of our first big not big, but first bumps in the road when we were dating because I was like, I'm going to start a concierge service. I'm going to walk people's dogs. I'm going to clean their litter. I'm Mm going to run their errands. I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know what I was thinking. And you were kind of going along with it and I was making brochures and you were like, oh, that sounds like a great idea. You'd be great at that. And then one day you were like, I don't know what you're thinking and this is bad. (laughs) And I was like shell-shocked. I was like, what? You've been saying for like weeks that it would be a good idea. You're like, well, I, reality is it's a bad idea. And you were absolutely right. Horrible idea. Yeah. <laughs> Horrible idea. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I'll tell you if, it, if I think it's a bad idea. Yeah. But most of the time I have good ideas, right? Books, podcasting. Yeah. You know, yeah. So that's it, Renee. He will definitely tell me when he thinks something. I think what she's probably, the underlying question is, you know, do you do you call me out when I when I'm acting when if I if I have a crazy idea? Because I think a lot oh. of a lot of marriages, and I'm not saying hers, but I know of a lot of marriages where you know if you don't support your spouse with every single thing they want to do, then you don't support me, and I don't believe that's true because someone needs to be the person that says, you know what, have you really thought all about this? Well, I think what the example of the concierge idea gives is is still a way I kind of handle your your ideas and handle you is uh, you come up with so many ideas you're very effusive and you think externally and you uh, you speak everything out loud that churns through your head so a lot of these are throwaway hmm. and I don't know what's what so I usually give it the space to grow and see what where it's going and how serious you are. And I guess when you started printing pamphlets of that service, I was like, <laughs> okay, but now it's time to pull the plug. But you but, didn't really uh, know me that well. We'd only been dating for like six months. So I, you know, now you, I think you can say, you know, you speak externally and everything just is like. Oh, I didn't know how to say that then. Oh, I didn't know okay. how to analyze it at this level back then. Right. Yes. Yeah. You just thought. Sure, yeah, that's a great idea. Oh my God, he's 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 taking appointments and he's right making up brochures. It's probably a good time to tell him this is a shitty idea. Right, but sometimes I I don't know, you know, prove me wrong if you believe in it enough. Well, that's kind of you are, but since but you've been really supportive, like with all my writing, and you're the one who got me blogging. Because when I got out of theater, I was like, what am I gonna do? What can I do with my time? I have to express myself. And you said, why don't you start a blog? And I had no idea what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I remember that. So 
you used to do theater and you used to connect with people that way and, and have an audience to speak to and be able to get the excitement of performing people and getting a response from a crowd. Uh, and when you weren't able to do that anymore, uh, you did say you want, what's very interesting about this and what I really admire about you is that uh, you were not saying I need to blog because I'm a writer and I need people to hear my writing. You said, I want to be a writer. Oh, I don't even remember that. But well, well not said, maybe not said, but you that was the goal. knew that you wanted to learn in the process. You didn't say, I already know how to do this and people need to hear me. You said, I'm also going to learn writing itself. And you wanted to write a novel and, you know, a memoir. Right. And you wanted to blog, but you consciously learned the craft of writing by reading books about writing and oh, reading yes. a lot of books in general of styles of writers. And so you weren't on a journey just of, of publicity alone. You were on a journey of refining your own skill. And it shows how much when you, you've, you've come, how far you've come since those first blog posts. Oh, God, <clears> those were tragic. Your books, and even from your first book to your last book, um, right. yeah, you've just consciously grown your skills uh, with that process. Oh, well, thank you so much. Oh, I love you. That's very very thoughtful of you to say, and I agree with you 100%. I am an amazing writer. <laughs> you are. Yeah. No, I'm not, but thank you. Okay, um, Terry asks, I thought this was a great question. Terry asks, and this is our friend Terry James. Oh, okay. He said, Hi, Terry. Hi, Terry. He said, how often do you guys talk to one another when Joe is traveling and you're apart for a few days? Um, I think we at least text daily. Uh, I'm a bad texter. I don't, I, I'm not very excited by text, uh, so I don't, I'm not compelled to send or keep a conversation going long on text. Um, but I like to talk you know, vocally when you're gone, mostly. Mm. But I think we at least text in the morning, you know? Right. But I've gone, we've gone like but we've three gone days a day without or talking. two or three without talking yeah. vocally. Yeah, yeah right. just because our schedules can be misaligned and it can be easy to forget. Yeah, it can slip through the cracks. Yeah. Well, when he asked that question, I immediately thought, oh, I don't think we talk enough when I'm gone. I, yeah, I don't think we do. We should sure. probably make sure that we are talking at least on the phone every day because when we're home together, we talk every day and I hear your voice. But sometimes... But with that said, what do you think of somebody who just calls, hi, I'm just calling to check in. How's everything fine? Okay, bye. Well, that's what a text is for. Yes. It's just a, it's just a ping of I'm thinking of you and you're thinking of me, and right. that's all we need to know. But I do like to, you know, connect to you, you know, to your voice once a day. I think that's a nice goal to have. I think that's something we can put into place um, when I go back to work Yeah. so that we have that connection more, just – talking at least once a day on the phone. And definitely this is a split house. Half of us hate texting half of, I am a texter. I don't even like talking on the phone. Um, I have been talking on the phone more recently because I'm trying to connect more with people instead of just having everything on text message. Cause it can't be good for your thumbs at some point. Um, but yeah, Terry, that's a great question. And it has pushed us to, work harder at our communication. Yes, thank you, Terry. Thank you, Terry. Do you have any questions for me? I'm going to take a sip of water because I'm thirsty. Um, geez. Uh, shoot, I didn't, I didn't prepare that you, much for this. You aren't prepared? No. You are like the A student. I didn't know where this was going to go. Well, you, yeah, that's true. You never know what's going to go. How are you, um, how are you dealing with the COVID-19 business, with what's going on right now in the country? I think we're getting by. I think we're doing okay. I'm, I'm anxious like everyone. Yeah. I'm most worried about you going to work. Yes. Um, I don't like the idea of you going to airports and, and, and being around a lot of people for a few days. So um, that's what worries me. Do you have anything that you do that helps you with your stress or anxiety over this? Um, I mean, it's nice to, uh, you know, get outside and, go for a walk and listen to podcasts that are about something else that helps mm -hmm. me get my mind off because I'm a big consumer of news. So I read news uh, about it a lot, taking in information seriously, but you need to change your mind to something else once in a while. I've been watching Netflix more than I used to. I used to forget about Netflix and watching uh, like fiction on TV. And uh, so I have been watching more Netflix things. Um, so, yeah. Do you know, um, 
Do you know what, so you're taking in a lot of information from the news, social media or whatnot. Do you know when to say, okay, I've had enough for today. I've got to shut it off. Or do you just keep going? No, I go until I'm getting no new information. Once it's too repetitive of like, I've heard this already I can oh, turn it off. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, I have this thing where I can only like, it's a cup and I can only fill it up so much. If I start off too early in the day, by maybe 10 o'clock, I can't handle anymore. So I kind of just take little sips throughout the day. That's why I notice because, you know, I'm home and you're working from home and I'll go for a walk. I'll shut off the TV and I'll go for the walk. And when I come back home, you're back in the basement working, but the TV's on upstairs. Mm. So I'm like, oh, you must have been up here checking out the news. So I shut the TV off because my stress level goes from a zero to 10 very quickly. And I need to just take it in a little bit at a time. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds dirty. Well, that's why you have to know yourself and right. know your own, what you can take. And, and you meditate. First. Yeah, I meditate. You meditate. Yeah. Um, so that's, I wish I could say I could recall that in the day when, it, you know, at the moment when I needed it, but uh, I'm not that, that skilled yet. Um, have you ever thought about journaling? Have you ever been a journaler, writing no, in a journal, writing your feelings down or anything? I haven't been able to keep the attention span for that or... I just don't think, kind of like how we tell stories differently, I don't think a lot of what I think, uh, I guess my mental thoughts are worth writing down or, I don't know. No, it's okay. Some people it journal, like some a lot people of trouble. don't. Yeah, I don't know. I, I've, I don't know. I love to journal because not only it helps me write books, but I like to write it all down and then think, okay, now it's, it's kind of like an information dump. Okay. I can let it go. I can put it down on paper. I still own it, but it's not with me. Yeah. I'm not carrying no, it around. I understand that, yeah. yeah. I like and I think that. I like to do that by talking to people. So that's why I like phone calls. If, if I'm working something out in my mind, I'll try to have a conversation with someone about it. Well, before we go, um, have you enjoyed this? Have you had oh, fun? Oh, yeah, this it's has been, been fun. fun huh? yeah. You're actually Is it over more. Already? No, we're going to. Well, almost. Um, <laughs> yes, almost. Um, we're only going to. Um, what was I going to say? Oh. We're gonna pl- one more question. We're gonna play. Let's get grounded with okay. flight attendant Joe. And you've made up some of these questions, yes, I have. so it's gonna be interesting to see the answers. Okay, so pick an airline: uh, American, Delta, Frontier, JetBlue, Spirit, or United. Uh, United. This is a good question. This is a actually this is I've a been new flying qu- a lot of United lately. Well, this is a new question that I created when I changed up. Let's get grounded. From, oh, okay. from picking a color oh, so to picking I don't know an airline, this? you do not. Oh, wow. How much money would the airline have to offer you to take the next flight? Oh, geez. Um, I think it depends on the circumstance. I don't know. Like, how badly do I need to get there? Okay, we'll create a story about it. Um, you don't really have to get there. You don't have to be home until the morning. Um, and now you're not going to get home. And t- you were going to get home at 7 p.m. Now you're going to get home at 1 a.m. And you have a 7 a.m. meeting. Oh, um, shoot. I would do that for $700. $700? You just pulled that out of your ass. I <laughs> love it. would be good enough. I don't know. Maybe if you said I'll give you $670, i would say okay. I, I bet know. you if they gave you four hundred, you'd be like, okay. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. probably. I could right. find something to do. I wonder with if I should change. Is that a good question? Um, yeah, I, th- yeah. I like that question. How much money would it take? Is an interesting class of question. In right, because somebody who <laughs> might not have a lot of money would say, "Oh shit, I'll do it for fifty dollars. I'll yeah. do it for a hundred dollars." Let me ask you another question. Um, what is the one item you never travel without? Nowadays, I always have when I'm, especially when I'm flying, I have my noise canceling headphones. That's it. When I'm flying, yeah, yeah. and they're better. I know they're bulkier because I've gone to the earbuds uh, for day to day use. But when I'm on a plane, nothing beats the big uh, earmuff things with uh, noise canceling. The Bose. Uh, they're good. Yeah, and it, it drives me nuts because nowadays when I'm on flights, I listen to podcasts. That's my place for podcasts and I get caught up. So I really need to understand the words people are saying. And when you're on a noisy plane, you can, it can easily muffle, you know, sp- the spoken word on the earphones. Um, but with those uh, noise canceling, it's, it's no problem. Do you, will you listen to this episode? <laughs> Probably not. 
Really? Uh, I don't know. I don't like uh, listening to my own voice. Oh. Uh, and I already know how it turns out. Yeah. Uh, so I was here <laughs> we, for it. We learned about the jackhammer. This was a great episode. I had a lot of fun. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. I Thank you for coming in from the other room. Yes. Well, it's the quarantine special. It's the, it's oh, that's what we call it. The quarantine. The we could add the cats in here. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for chatting with me for an hour. I actually, I think I may have learned a few things about you. Oh, the, Cool. Which will be interesting. So thank you very much. Yeah, it was fun. Thank I you. love you. I love all right. you too. Okay. It's not like he's... Yeah. <laughs> all right, bye. Hang up. No, you're right here in the room. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed this week's episode of Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe, please subscribe to the podcast. You'll get alerts when new episodes air. Also check out Flight Attendant Joe on Facebook and Instagram. And if you still haven't had enough of me... Check out the blog at www.flightattendantjoe.com.